Good morning and welcome everybody. You're listening to The Breakfast Show on Faith FM, 87.6, 87.8 or 88 right across Australia, right across the Faith FM network wherever you are. Positively different radio in the morning. You're with the Double L team, Lyle and... Lawson. Lawson. How are you this morning? I'm just fantastic. You're staying dry? Yeah. I didn't even get rained on when I came in the studio. That's that's a weird feeling. The rain like just briefly stopped and then I walked inside. I don't think it's raining at the moment, but I'm... Feeling good, yeah. Yeah, it's 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 kind of strange for there to be to, to be not getting wet when you're walking into the studio. <laughs> I, I don't <laughs> think I've, I, I haven't experienced that for several weeks now. Yesterday, I was like sprinting in here. It was like yeah, raining, was like so dumping. heavy. I'm like, I can't sit in the car because I don't have the time. I need to run and prepare. <laughs> so I'm like, ah, okay. And I didn't have my my rain jacket was in the back, and so I was like, oh no, time to get out and mingle with the elements. That's right. But now, like, now yeah, it's chill look it's almost yeah. it's almost sunny like it's still a low like almost, almost sunny cloudy. our definition of almost sunny at the moment is there is not a skerrick of blue and the rain is light <laughs> yeah that's right it's pretty much sunshine that, that's what what that's what you call oregon sunshine right there <laughs> Ah, <laughs> uh, good times. Well, our prayers are with you if you are in a flood-affected area at the moment or if you're in an area that is about to be flood-affected. Mm. Uh, as the flooding does continue around Australia, we are praying for you here at Faith FM. And we certainly hope and pray and trust that uh, God will be with you all. Certainly stay safe, stay out of the floodwaters, don't try and drive through them. Mm. Um, and, uh, yeah. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. We're about to get into positively different news. As always, we start off with the quiz. And I have a, an extra challenge for all of you this morning. Apparently, you didn't answer the 500-pointer yesterday. Apparently, no one attempted the 500-pointer yesterday. That's weak, guys. Come on. That's pretty lame. Wake up. Yes. So, we, we, we'll get the end of the show, we'll give you another crack at it. Yep. All right. No one even attempted it. That's just sad. Anyway. Uh, we did say that if you are a weekly church attender, challenge yourself. Mm-hmm. If you are not a weekly church attender, pull out a Bible and research or jump on Google because we encourage everybody to study the Bible. We might extend, uh, we might extend Google today to weekly church attenders. We'll, we'll see. We'll have a think about that. <laughs> All right. Well, let's have a look at our first clue for the quiz or our first quiz, uh, question. For 100 points, what was the name of Joseph, the one, you know, with the colorful coat? Uh, what was the, what was the name of his little brother? So what was the name of Joseph's little brother? 0491064669 is the number to call. If you know the answer for 100 points, you can win yourself a Faith FM bookmark and bumper sticker or you can get those points on the board, continue to work your way through the quiz. If you get every single question correct, you can win every single prize. But 0491-064-669 is the number to call. And, uh, yeah, answer that question. What was the name of Joseph's little brother? Okay. Give us a call if you know the answer. Let's have some positively different news right now. Okay, positively different news. You know, I feel like, oh, man, we're just reading about every single big company's uh, restriction or step or helping hand in, you know, the Russia-Ukraine conflict at the moment. Um, you would have read this morning that I, I believe it was Facebook has, you know, completely dropped off in, in Russia. They've just like, they've completely pulled out. Uh, but, um, you know, like TikTok is doing the same thing. Like they're all just like hyper limiting everything that's there. 
because they, they want to, I don't know, I guess starve the Russians out by social media or something. Um, but actual great news, uh, from. I have a question before okay, we okay. move on. It's just, 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 just boiling in the back of what this might not be necessarily part of positively different news. Uh-huh. But here's my question. Uh huh. This is a question for our listeners, maybe. Um, you know, what, what, We've got the whole world rising up against Russia right now, mm-hmm. rightfully so, mm-hmm. because they are the aggressor. Mm-hmm. Where was the whole world when the United States went after Iraq because of weapons of mass destruction that didn't exist? Well, they... You know, when you look at these two political situations and you ask yourself, you know, compare those two wars and ask yourself the question... Which one actually had more legitimacy? I mean, neither of them have legitimacy. Neither mm-hmm. of them have a right to be going in there and causing war and bloodshed. Instagram. This shows, this shows the absolute hypocrisy of big business when they will support one war and not yeah, another. Yeah, you know why? Because... Instagram isn't owned by Russians. <laughs> well, I guess back in the Iraq War, it's like what you know, what could what could what could Russia and China limit against the United States? Yeah, but the thing is, we should have had people around the world protesting. Sure, I, you know, I agree. Unneeded aggression. I in agree. The Middle East. But anyways, there is current unneeded aggression in the Ukraine, and uh, Airbnb has been the next company to step up and offer short-term housing for over a hundred thousand refugees. So if you're a fleeing refugee from the Ukraine, Airbnb is like, yep, like we'll get you anywhere in Europe. We'll get you a free spot, any place that you are, oh, um, for up to an over 100,000 uh, people. So in countries all around this area, you know, whether it's Poland, Germany, Hungary, Romania, um, they're offering support and welcome to refugees uh, with open borders. And yeah, Airbnb has really stepped up. They also like, this is something that was going on during, you know, the Afghanistan crisis as well. They they have statistics now where they supported, like Airbnb supported 21,000 uh, Afga- Afghani refugees. How many Syrians did they support? I don't know. It doesn't have or the Libyans. Oh, it's okay. It says here um, that they are also supporting another twenty thousand refugees from um, that are, were also from Afghanistan, Africa, the Middle East, Central and South America, and other regions. Oh, praise the Lord! That's, so, right. that's, that's good. So, because I, I don't know, I just feel like I just and maybe I'm wrong on this. I just feel like there's hypocrisy. It's like we will welcome any Ukrainian refugee we can get, but when it comes to Middle Eastern refugees, like yeah, not so much. Oh, lol. Here we go. Over the past five years, Airbnb and Airbnb.org. So they have like a kind of charity branch of their company, um, have connected more than 54,000 refugees um, and asylees, including uh, from Syria, Venezuela, and Afghanistan to temporary housing. Fantastic so, stuff. So Good like, on this is Airbnb. actually like very philanthropic. Yes. Like, like obviously philanthropic work benefits the company because people it makes the company look good. In all of these situations, we need to recognise that there is a big difference between illegal immigration mm-hmm. and refugees. <laughs> sure. You know? Yeah, 100%. We just need to recognise that. And when it comes to refugees, I don't know. Tell me if you think I'm wrong. But, you know, and, and listeners, tell me if you think I'm wrong. I just feel like we have greater empathy for Ukrainian refugees than we do for refugees of uh, the, the Middle East or Africa or somewhere like that. Dude, I just, that's, just the, no, that's just the feeling I have. 
I did see like some news reports recently. It was kind of like a compilation video, like on Instagram, where you can, you know, kind of post mul- multiple things. And this guy was going through, and it was like, it was like the hypocrisy of of uh, the Ukrainian invasion, and the way that people are reporting on it from all around the world, whether it's you know the BBC or whether it's any American news outlet. There, they talk about the Ukrainian refugees. They're like, you know, they're Europeans. Just like us, this isn't a developing country, you know, we need to help these people. And it's just this idea that there's there's some kind of, when it comes to refugee status, like if you're a refugee from a third world country, then it's like, you know, people are just naturally less sympathetic because, oh, that, that makes sense. Whereas like if you're a refugee from the Ukraine, it's just crazy and we need to help these people. And because they're going through something that, that we would go through, but it's like, they're just. They're yeah, all I, I think that there's. I think part of it might stem from uh, a long history of illegal immigration from mm-hmm. these other countries, which mm-hmm. we don't have with Ukraine, mm-hmm. uh, and so a higher level of suspicion when they become refugees. Yeah. But we do need to re- recognise that refugees do need support. They do need help. Yeah, that's right. They do need to be supported. You know, the the world needs to get together to mm. to support them. Oh man, and that just makes you think as well. Like you know, they they talk about like a peaceful area like Europe, which is like for the last two thousand years been the single most unpeaceful area. Like like <laughs> like literally like you know, the existence of America comes from people fleeing persecution and wars and you know monarchy control and yeah r- lack of religious freedom in Europe. So. Interesting times, interesting stuff. Oh, in other news, this is really cool. Um, so South Korea isn't a large place. It's kind of janky looking. Like if, you know, the coast around the outside is not necessarily smooth. They've got like little islands. They've got lots of sheltered waterways. That's right. And so in their sheltered waterways, uh, they have started to put down, um, giant floating solar panels. Really? That are in the shape of like flowers. They look really, really, they look really cute. But yeah, it, obviously, you know, it, we we have sheltered waterways here in Australia. Like I can imagine, like, well, Lake Macquarie isn't totally sheltered, but it's not the ocean. And I'm like, oh, you could chuck one down there. But then I'm like, oh, it's salt water. You, and where would you go sailing? Yeah, that's right. Where would you go well, sailing? Well, their coastline is salt water as well. It's obviously yeah, floating on salt water. That's right. It is floating on salt water. But they've just got areas that are just really protected and relatively uninhabited, like in, you know where people uh, don't really live. And so they've just chucked these giant, massive solar panels um, around. And currently, like the initial stages of this project in in a 17 mile reservoir. This is the first place that they've put these solar panels down. Um, they uh, ha- are already providing power for like 60,000 people um, from a couple of these panels, and now they're looking at doing whatever they can to just chuck them down anywhere. So we should put them on Warragamba Dam and places like that. That's right. Places where you don't have boats, you don't have people mm-hmm. going water skiing. Mm-hmm. It's just water and it's just sitting there and you just look at it. Yeah. Put solar panels just, there. Just chuck a solar panel on top of it. Why not? Because... Not only is this, you know, free space that we get to use for solar panels, but also in California, they've put solar panels over the top. And this is something I talked about, I think, a couple months ago that they were doing this in another place, but they're now doing it in California. But they're putting solar panels over the top of their reservoirs. They're building, like, they're not putting them in the reservoirs, but, like, kind of building them over the top so that there's, like, clearance. Um and for the purpose of, you know, firstly, you get solar power and energy and whatnot. Secondly, um, you stop the evaporation of the water inside those reservoirs. Yes. And so yes. they've said that 
like they've save a massive amount. They've of water. put solar panels on top of these like irrigations and dams. I'm just trying to find the statistic here because it's crazy the amount of uh, it's like billions and billions of liters like every year. I think they said it's like 60 billion liters or something. Okay, 65 billion gallons of freshwater loss every year. Yeah, that's a lot more than liters. Preventing it. You're listening to the Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM. Positively it different. It is the Breakfast Show here on Faith FM. We're about to get into more serious news, although we're going to talk about some more positive stuff as well. Uh, 0491064669 is the number to call uh, if you know the answer to the 200-point question that's about to happen right now. All right, for 200 points, what did Elisha throw into the Jordan in order to make an axe head float? Zero four nine one zero six four six six nine is the number to call if you know the answer. For 200 points, you can win an issue of Science Magazine, or you can answer this question correctly, answer the rest of the questions correctly, and you can win every single prize. But again, that question was, what did Elisha throw into the Jordan in order to make an axe head float? All right, give us a call if you know the answer to that one. But right now, Lawson, we're going to talk about NASCAR. Oh, let's go Who's your favourite NASCAR driver? Let's, let's, uh, my favourite NASCAR, Alex Bowman. Alex Bowman? Yes. D- okay. Why not? Sh- sure. Nice. Yeah. yeah. Who's your favourite? Um, oh, well, like, I think everyone's like, you know, personally, personally, I'm like, you know, Dale Earnhardt guy because everyone loves Dale Earnhardt because <laughs> he's a legend. Um, yeah, but I would say, like, in, in terms, I, so I go Current for, NASCAR so, um, Carl Bush because everyone hates him. Because he's because he's a Yankee. He's like he's from the north, and everyone hates him. Like he's not a redneck. Like he he shows up to like the Talladega five hundred, like in Alabama. Everyone's like, "Boo, Kyle Busch." (laughs) But anyways, Uh, good fun, good fun. Okay, so uh, when it comes to NASCAR, uh, there's some fairly big teams out there. Yeah, Um, Hendrick Motorsports, one of the definitely you know Hendrick, definitely one of the bigger Mm. ones. Yeah. And uh, this weekend, of course, they're racing in the Penzoil 400 at the Las Vegas Speedway. And the team owner pledged uh, a $200,000 donation to go towards humanitarian aid in the Ukraine. Wow. Plus $2,000 for each lap where his team was leading. They had four cars in the race, and this way, this was this was in the Las Vegas ra- race, yes. right? The lot depends yes. on. Didn't, yeah, yeah, yeah. didn't they win? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> so he ended, he ended four cars in the race. He had a four car team running okay. in the race, um, and of course, Alec Bowman came in first with uh, sixteen laps in the lead. Okay. Oh wow, um, it's a real sneaky one there. Got into the lead in the Kyle end. Kyle Larson, another of his uh, team. Uh, came in second, so he had first and second, so mm-hmm. um, Hendrick Motorsport's doing well. Um, he had 27 laps in the lead, uh-huh. and William Byron came in in fifth place, also a part of his team. He had eight laps in the lead. Oh, wow. So the uh, Hendrick's Motorsports uh, donated a total of $302,000 to humanitarian aid, that which is, is just fantastic. Philanthropy we to, we, right there. We need to see more of this, yeah. you know, in high-level sports. Mm-hmm. Uh, we need to see people getting out there and supporting, you know, 
philanthropic causes wherever they are and whatever the needs are um, and, you know, particularly humanitarian aid around the world. There's a lot of crises in our world. This one is mm. front and centre on our media right now. There are a lot of crises that are probably bigger than one, the one we're seeing in the Ukraine that are forgotten about and unknown, and we need to be thinking about those ones as well. Uh, but not only that, um, Kyle Larson, who came second, was running a car painted with the – they're doing their donations through Samaritan's Purse, mm-hmm. uh, which is the uh, charity uh, headed up by Franklin Graham. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that's a, a faith-based organisation, a faith-based uh, charity. And so Kyle Larson, who came in second, he had the website, you know, SamaritansPurse.org, mm-hmm. uh, painted all over his car. And I would think that would be a significant donation as well. Lawson – how much? How much would? How much would that be worth to paint your website on a NASCAR of Hendrix Motorsports and the Penzoil four four hundred at the Las Vegas Speedway? Uh, that would have to be worth a chunk yeah, of money. Yeah, I I think if it's the title sponsor, right? Like this is like the main logo on his car. This is up upwards of at least like. Two hundred fifty thousand dollars, like because these teams and these cars yeah. are are worth millions. Like, yes. the, you know, a four. How many cars do they have in the four, race? Four, a four, four car outfit. Four, like four that's car, like that's, we're talking like the tens, the tens of millions a year. So like, if you're a title sponsor, like, and, and I know you know if this is a charity, like the you know maybe it's a bit cheaper or whatever. But yeah, they're putting up huge dollars, like in the in the hundreds of thousands in the millions. Well, this like, this was uh, yeah. this was donated. It was don- Samaritan's Purse uh, website was. They donated the space on the car. Oh, that's amazing! So there weren't. It wasn't Samaritan's Purse paying for that spot. Yeah, was, there was a donation. It was just like, yeah, we're just going to put this on the Which car. Which is that's that's them foregoing. And I and I'm like thinking, okay, wait, Hendrick Motorsport. You've got like one of the biggest teams in NASCAR, like in terms of one of the most storied in in terms of championships. Um, yeah, we're, that's now we're talking in the, like millions of dollars. This is the kind of team that gets sponsored by like McDonald's or M and M's or like Apple or like. Like, you know, this isn't like Bill and Bob's, you know, backyard trucking service or something. This is like massive. So, yeah. Yeah, so go them. This is this is the kind of thing we need to we need to see happening. You know, if you've got four cars in the race, put one of those cars in for charity. <laughs> yeah. You know, Easy. You, you, can, you can afford to do that. Anyway, while we're talking about the Ukraine, uh, Pope Francis has just sent two cardinals to the Ukraine uh, and stated that they are to be his representatives on the ground in Ukraine. So the vicar has vicars. Wow. Okay. Uh, so this is interesting because I really what, what what fascinates me is the role of religion in war. Dude, this is some shadows of the Cold War right here. It very much is yeah. shadows of the Cold War. And so what you've got is you've got your, your Ukrainian Orthodox Church, which is in full communion with the Roman Catholic Church. Mm-hmm. Then you've got, uh, in contrast to that, you have the Russian Orthodox Church which is not in full communion, not in communion at all with the Roman Catholic Church. Uh-huh. And this is a division that goes back to 1050, the year 1054, 1054. Oh, wow. Uh, this was the year in which these two churches split. And there's been pretty much conflict between these churches ever since that has from time to time been the background of armed conflict mm. uh, through the centuries. So this is a thousand-year-old conflict that we've got uh, taking place here, and Pope Francis just threw his full support behind the Ukraine. He talked about the Ukraine as a nation battered by war and called it a martyred country. Mm. 
So pretty strong words there from uh, Pope Francis. And I guess the question that you know kind of goes through my mind is, okay, when you've got major religions like this taking sides in a war, is that going to promote peace or just inflame mm. the situation, particularly when there's such a long history of conflict? So the Great Schism happened in 1054, and uh, the, the, there was a number of issues that, that took place, mostly around the Pope. Oh. Um, and so the Orthodox Church took the position um, of primacy of honour. In other words, the patriarch is first among equals. Whereas the Vatican took the position of primacy of authority, so primacy of honour versus primacy of authority, uh, which made the uh, the Pope um, having jurisdiction on the entire church in the entire world, uh, the person who oppose, who appoints, I should say, or deposes bishops, and that bishops' legitimacy in the world only comes from their connection and appointment by the Pope, uh, along with that, uh, the Pope having infallibility on mm. questions of dogma. The Orthodox Church said, no, this is not the case. The Patriarch doesn't have infallibility. Uh, he doesn't have jurisdiction to, uh, to to create you know bishops around the world. Bishops can be created locally. Uh, they also said that uh, a bishop's legitimacy is not connected to the uh, to the Pope himself, and so this is what it kind of split over, mm. and that wound has never been healed. And uh, taking sides in this conflict and go, yeah, we're going to support the Ukrainian Orthodox Church because they're in full communion with us and the Russian Orthodox. You can't help but see, you know, some uh, some strong partisanship right here. Uh, I, I think we should be doing all that we can, and all churches, you know, Samaritan's Purse is doing a good thing. ADRA is over there. That's that's our humanitarian aid organization. Mm. I think everybody should be sending humanitarian aid to the Ukraine because they need it. Mm. But a church taking sides, I think, is somewhat dangerous. Mm-hmm. Um, Especially, like, let's just talk about, like, the influence of the church that's taking sides. Yes, it's the most powerful, most influential church. It was interesting back in the Great Schism that the Orthodox Church actually outnumbered the Catholic Church. It was bigger back then. Oh, wow. Yeah. Mm. And has been for a long time down through history. Uh, So, yeah, let's watch this space and let's see what continues to happen. We saw exactly the same thing taking place in the Balkans Wars back in the 1990s, for those who remember those. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. Right now we're going to have a uh, 300 point for the quiz, and that is, who was the first Christian to die for his faith? Or to be a martyr, 0491 is the number to call if you know the answer. For 300 points, you can win yourself a pocket sermon. But again, that question was... Who was the first Christian to die for his faith? Incredibly inspiring story uh, from the Bible. Right now, we are going to go to our interview for today. Welcome back, everybody. You're listening to The Breakfast Show on Faith FM, 87.6, 87.8 or 88, right across Australia. And joining us on the phone right now is Jared Stackeroth from Signs of the Times. Jared, welcome to the show. Hey, Lyle. Great to be back with you. And, of course, Signs of the Times is uh, Signs Magazine, which is, I think, the like, the second oldest uh, religious magazine that there is in Australia, if not the oldest one. Yeah, we've been around for a while, Lyle, but we're still 
relevant. We're still making it work. <laughs> Fantastic stuff. All right, take us through this month's edition of Signs of the Times. In your mind, what are some of the standout stories that you guys are covering? Well, speaking of relevance, we're, we're sort of tackling an issue that it's really common at the moment, and that is people are in this state of transition. They're actually calling it the great resignation. Many people are looking for new careers. The pandemic and the lockdowns have had them reassessing what they want to do with their lives. And so we've got a writer who he's the VP of people and culture for an international organization. And he's just examining like some tips and some ideas. Is it a good idea to just quit your job without a plan? How can you be successful in, in looking for work? And, and he also, I guess, spends a little bit of time reflecting on making, finding meaning in what you do, which yeah. I think is really important. You mentioned this person is a VP of people and culture. What exactly is that? Look, it's a, a guy that I used to work with here in Sydney. He's moved over to the United States for our ADRA International Organization, the humanitarian arm of the Seventh-day Adventist Church. And basically, I think he deals with you know, HR primarily, but also just setting good culture for the organization, um, looking after people and their needs. Um, making sure that everybody's sort of content in the work that they do. And I think that really he's a great person to talk about this trend of, I guess, the discontent that people are finding in their workplaces and, and, and looking for something more. That's fascinating because he'd be right on the front lines of people both coming and going. Those are like, yeah, we're going to move on. And those are like, hey, we'd love to move into, you know, something like ADRA, which of course is a, a charitable organization. And so I guess, you know, I'm, I'm thinking that somebody in that position would be finding people that have no meaning in their life and they're like, you know, maybe I'll find it working for a charity. Yeah, definitely. And he's got some really good sort of practical tips on what to do when you're applying and interviewing for jobs. Um, and he, he would know because he's obviously in the position where he probably does a lot of that with people. So it's really worth checking out our cover article for March. Super relevant for where we are at right now. I mean, I was just talking to my next door neighbours and this applies to them and to so many other people for so many different reasons. I think a lot of us have reevaluated uh, what we do and the meaning that it adds as a result of the pandemic. Uh, I think that always happens in, in a time of crisis and, you know, it almost seems we just moved from one crisis to the, to the, to the next. I mean, we've got uh, everything blowing up in the Ukraine right now. And these are all opportunities to step back and to reevaluate. And I know a whole bunch of people that are just sort of like, yeah, you know what, I might go and do something else. Yeah. And your listeners may know Daniel Kubrick, who was um, interviewing with you last month. He's actually in a time of transition. So he's moving on from Signs of the Times Ministry. And we're really going to miss him. But, yeah, we're looking for, for new people. We've had a couple of new people start this year. So it's, it's really it's all around us. It's definitely something that's happening in homes and in workplaces right across um, the country. So it's certainly a relevant topic now, to talk talk, about. You mentioned he talks about finding meaning in work. Does he go into specifically what kinds of things bring meaning to people in the workplace? And obviously working for a charity that is part of a church, is this something, you know, working for others, working for a religious organization, is this something that human beings in general particularly will find meaning in? Yeah, for sure. I, I think just in, in my perspective, you know, in my experience, like, Finding some kind of service or meaning or or 
happiness, contentment, I suppose, in, in what you do is a really important thing. It's not everything. People, there are many people who just say, well, hey, we need a paycheck. We've got to put food on the table. And they, they find meaning in family and church and, and things outside of the workplace. And that's okay too. Mm, but sure. it does suggest that the grass isn't always greener on the other side. You may think that this particular job might have more meaning or less meaning than the one you're in at, at current. But it's hard to know what the situation is like when you are jumping into a new unknown. And so considering that, but I guess it relates really well to another article that we have in this month's magazine, which is actually called The Problem with Happiness. So I guess it's those who are chasing happiness as opposed to purpose and fulfillment. And the way that these magazines come come together sometimes, it's not always our good planning, although I would like to say as the editor, you know, it definitely <laughs> is. But I, <laughs> I think that God has a hand in when we're putting together topics and, and when things are coming together because this really relates to that topic and it goes a bit more deeply into the search for meaning and, and purpose, sort of the difference between happiness. If, if you ask a lot of people what they want, what, what do you want in life? They'll say, I want to be happy. I just want to be happy. And our author examines what exactly happiness is and whether that's kind of enough is, is, is happiness sort of actually going to give you fulfillment and and are you going to feel satisfied with happiness because happiness is quite a fleeting sort of feeling it's something that can change from person to person it's hard to nail down and to define and so this article looks at ways to find meaning in the worst of time and that as well is particularly relevant as we go into sort of the third year of the pandemic as you mentioned you know Europe is in conflict, there's potentially some bad times still upon us. And, and I guess looking at um, the experience of Viktor Frankl, who was a Jew who lived through the Holocaust and how he found meaning and purpose in very much the worst of times. You know, that's our almost humanity's benchmark at the moment for, for tragedy and for terrible times. And so, yeah, the author takes us through some of that self-reflection and, and wrestling with how do we find satisfaction in life. Yeah, absolutely. And it's great to see the magazine coming coming together that way, either by plan or by the providence of God. What else have you got happening in uh, this month's edition of Science of the Times magazine? So we've also got an article entitled, What is the Bible? Now, some of our listeners will be like, well, we, we know all about the Bible. It's, it's sort of obvious. It's been around for thousands of years. But I guess the author takes some time to just, well, in some ways, pulling down some misconceptions of been built up around the Bible and just looks at what it is and, and what it isn't. I guess that's important because, you know, many people use and read the Bible in different ways. Um, and so we're just exploring, I guess, how to use it responsibly, but also what what can you get out of it? What what can it give to your life if, if you're reading this this book, which many of us, you know, find a lot of meaning and purpose to go back to that. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, one of the things that I'm finding in our world today is that there is a widening gap between secular people and religious people in actually understanding each other. Right. And the level of ignorance that we have of the secular world is, you know, probably only matched by the level of ignorance that secular people have of the Christian world. And the Bible would be very, very much a part of that. So I think you've got a super relevant article there just simply to look at what is it. And even when people of faith are reading something like this, it gives them the tools that they need to be able to share with others. 
Yeah, for sure. And I guess related to that, as I said, these things come together. We've got another article on the law of love. And I guess this goes a bit more deeply into what's known as God's law or, or the parts of the Bible that are sort of those guidelines, which many people set up their lives by. And some people feel, oh, law, that's a bit constrictive. That's a bit difficult to keep. But my my sister's actually written this article. She's a lawyer. So she looks at, I guess, the positive sides of law and how it protects us and how it sets up standards that we all as society need to survive. And I guess relate to to God's law as found in the Bible. Yeah, and when you stop and think about it, you know, there's lots of laws out there that might nag us or make us a little bit frustrated from time to time. But, I mean, hey, let's say that we abolished all road rules. How much freedom would you have to go out and drive on the road? Well, none, because everyone would be an idiot and you would never feel safe. You know, you abolish abolish a whole bunch of civil laws and it's like, well, it's no longer wrong to go around killing people, then you're not going to have freedom. Good laws create freedom for people and we need to recognise that good laws actually bring happiness. And no more is this evident, Lyle, than when the traffic lights go out or go on the blink, you know, and they're flashing and everyone, (laughs) nobody knows what to do, who to go first and there's a lot of near misses. So, yeah, very relevant. Yes, indeed. Near chaos reigns. There's probably plenty of places where we could travel to into the world where we would see, you know, a similar kind of thing happening on the roads and it just becomes a massive disaster zone. Yeah, so you've got a couple of um, articles there that, that really do relate to each other. And uh, with, your, with your sister's article there, does she really focus in on the law of God as in, for instance, the Ten Commandments? When we think of the law of God, we often go straight to the Ten Commandments as being the, uh, the foundation of a law of love. Yeah, she certainly touches on the Ten Commandments as well as more broadly some of the, the, the rest of the, the Bible, um, but particularly, particularly the Ten Commandments and the value that, that can be found in them. Yes, absolutely. It's only uh, If only more of our world would uh, take note of what's happening in the Ten Commandments, our world could be a much better place right now. Uh, Jared, Science Mag, how do we interact with Science Mag? What's the best way for us to interact with Science Mag? Thanks, Lyle. A great way is through signsofthetimes.org.au. You can read a lot of articles there. You can subscribe to the magazine. You can even donate if you feel um, led to do so. Um, I just want to let your listeners know as well that um, we've had some COVID-related and staffing-related issues at our printing house, and so the February um, edition has been slightly delayed, and I think the March one will be less delayed but also slightly delayed. But if you haven't received your signed magazine yet, if you do get the magazine, um, it is on its way. We just want to assure people that it is coming. We've just had some, I think it's common in the world at the moment, postage delays, um, people not being able to work because of illness and that sort of thing. And, and yeah, we've, we've had some setbacks, but the content is as good as ever. So just be patient and it will hit your mailbox soon. You can also follow us on Facebook, on Twitter, and engage with us on our social medias. We'd love to hear from you. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Jared. And, yes, we do live in a world where COVID delays are the new norm, so fun times. But uh, thank you so much for joining us here on Faith FM and telling us all about the latest edition of Signs. We're going to continue on with the show right now. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.